If you need a miracle, you're in the right place. We believe in the God of miracles. We believe that when he is present, anything, literally anything could happen. And our hearts just need to be wide open to what his agenda is. We have plans. We make plans. We pick scriptures and we plan teachings. But the most important thing is that he speaks to us and we are transformed by his spirit and his word. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the most important thing. So uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're just really thrilled you're here. Thanks for coming. We're in a series that's based in Hebrews uh, 11. You want to open your Bible to Hebrews 11. And we've been talking about the characters from this incredible chapter, this chapter of faith, men and women of faith, who have a commonality that we're emphasizing in this series. They, they just never gave up. None of them were perfect. All of them made mistakes, just like you. The secret is, in the midst of that, to never give up. And uh, today we're talking about the greatest leader, probably in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, Moses, who led his people out of slavery and uh, to the Promised Land. And we're going to talk about leading by faith. And I don't want you to check out and say, well, that's not me, because every single person here is a leader. Jesus says, I want you to be salt which is an influencer. I want you to be light, which is an influencer. You lead, and by the end of this time we're together, we'd like you to lead at a greater level. We'd like you to pray today about who God wants you to influence in the next season, the next week, the next month, the next quarter, the next year, who God wants you to influence. Um, so just to encourage each other in the Lord, uh, nudge your neighbor and say, uh, you are a leader. Uh, now to your second choice, this message is for you. It's fine, yes, that's very good. Lee. You, had, you had to work a little bit for that one. Appreciate that very much. Moses was called to be a leader because God's people had been in slavery. And God doesn't want anyone to walk out of this room in slavery. You say, well, we're in a free nation. Well, you can be culturally, economically, politically free, but still be bound up spiritually. And God wants every single person to walk out of those doors in freedom. And so he saw the slavery of his people and said, I need to raise up a leader, a change agent. And Moses was born into a family of faith. His parents protected him. There was actually a death sentence on his life from his earliest days. The government had declared that the children would be killed, and his parents said, no, we're not going to obey the government in this issue. We're going to protect our son, Moses. He miraculously, I don't think he cried for the first three months, because the Bible says that he was protected for three months, or they kept, and then he, I think he got noisy, and they had to get him out of the house. And they floated him on the Nile River, strategically where the princess, the pharaoh's daughter, would be down uh, bathing. And she, the baby floated by in this little bassinet. And she saw Moses, and, and he was beautiful. And she said, I want to take this child into Pharaoh's house. And um, Moses' sister says, well, you need any help raising the, the baby? Do you want a nanny? And she said, absolutely. So they went and got... Moses's natural mother to be the nanny and to raise him under the covering and protection of Pharaoh. And she raised him as a man of God in the midst of Pharaoh's household. 
She taught him that though he was being raised in Pharaoh's house, he belonged to the house of God. And he never forgot that. In fact, one day he saw slave masters beating, persecuting his people, and something snapped inside of him, and he killed the slave masters. And then because he had committed murder, he ran into the wilderness where he spent the next 40 years of his life. Pretty much feeling like um, at 80, maybe, he, maybe, maybe life is, uh, maybe my influence is over. Here's all he was influencing. At 80 years old, he was influencing sheep. Him in the wilderness, influencing sheep. But God always has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. So God appears in this, I was going to say God forsaken. <laughs> but no place is God forsaken. God appears in this unlikely place in the form of a, a bush that would not be consumed, a fire that was burning. And he starts to speak to Moses, and he calls Moses to be a leader. Here's what it says in Exodus. God speaks to him and says, Now I'm sending you to the king of Egypt. I'm sending you to the Pharaoh. I want you to go and I want you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But watch Moses' response. But I am not a great man. Let me tell you one of the greatest hindrances to the influence that God is trying to bring you into. Self-doubt. I'd like that to be broken today in you, and I'd like you to come to a God-confidence instead of a self-confidence. Because a self-confidence will bring you to a self-doubt. And this is where Moses was. He says, I'm, I'm 80 years old, and I'll just remind you that God, God can use you when you're 80. Or I'll maybe say it like this, God can use you as you get older. It's me too, I'm getting older. But Moses is filled with doubt. I'm not a great man. Watch his questions. How, how, how can I go to the king? How can I lead the Israelites out of Egypt? He's just saying, Lord, not me. I don't have what it takes. And I would say every person that leads, and you lead somewhere, a mother leads, a father leads, an employer leads, an employee leads, everyone's a leader, everyone comes to a moment of self-doubt when you look at your own resources and go, I don't have what it takes. But in that, Moses transcended looking at himself. Actually, what he did was get his eyes off of himself, and he got his eyes on the Lord, and that's the moment of change. That's the moment of faith. And we find as we pick up the story in Hebrews that by faith, he was energized because he stopped looking at his lack and limitation, and he started to look at God's abundance, and it gave him incredible leadership. And that's exactly the lesson we'd like you to learn. Self-doubt will keep you small. God-confidence will explode your leadership, your influence, your light that comes out of you. So as we pick this story up in Hebrews, we find out this, that it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. Look at these words. He was not afraid of the king. Now, when he was on the backside of the desert, he was very afraid of the king. 
I'm not a great man. How can I do it? How will it happen? How can I lead? But by encountering God and getting his eyes off of himself and getting his eyes on God, he now stands without fear. And that's how your, <laughs> that's how your influence increases. The enemy uses fear and self-doubt to keep you down. But today, you're coming out. Today, you're coming out. Why? Because we're not going to lead in our own natural talents and abilities. We're not going to seek to have influence in our own natural talents and abilities. We're going to seek to be filled with the spirit and confidence that God gives. And that's what happened to him. He was not afraid of the king. He kept right on going, and that's what I want you to do. Keep right on going. Why? Here's the secret. Watch this. You've got a pen, underline, put a star beside this. He kept his eyes on the God who was invisible. He got his eyes off of Mo and onto God. And let me just tell you, I know you can't, you may not, you can't see him, but God is in the house. You say, but he's invisible. He's in the house. And the secret is to take your eyes off your lack and limitation, the, the, the voice that says inside of you, but I'm not a great man. I'm not a great woman. And get your eyes on the one who is great. How do we sing it this morning? Whose name will not fail. So Moses had that transformation, and that's the transformation of leadership that we're looking at. So we're going to look through Hebrews. There's actually a lot of verses about Moses. Some of the characters in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, there's like one sentence. But Moses is a major leader, not a perfect leader, but a major leader. He had his problems, his humanity. I just want to point that out again. Moses murdered somebody. That would, that would take him off of your... Maybe, you're, you, maybe you wouldn't hire him as a leader. Just imagine if you needed a pastor and you got the resume. At 40, I killed a guy. Uh, maybe we'll look at another resume. How about this? Remember when we studied Abraham? Um, I, I gave my wife to other men. I'm just saying these people were very human. But in their humanity, they kept leaning into God. They kept trusting God. They kept looking to God. You are very human, but you keep leaning into God. You keep trusting God. No matter what the enemy says to condemn you, you transcend that and you hear his voice in your life. The enemy comes to condemn, but the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is conviction. Conviction will change you. Conviction will pull you forward. Condemnation comes from the pit of hell. And Moses was listening to the voice of hell, and he had a transformation by faith where he started to keep his eyes on the God who was invisible. And we're talking today about developing our leadership, developing our influence and so we'll just look at Moses' life. We'll take some principles and we'll apply them to our life. If you're taking notes, the first thing I just want to talk about is how leadership in Moses' life began at home. And in our life, it begins at home. Um, God is interested in all of us influencing the rising generation. Every child in this church is important. And all of you that have children, they're important. All of you that have grandchildren, they're important. 
and all of you that love children. Have I got everybody yet? Okay, if you don't love children, could you just stand up? We'll pray for you right now. And just, like the, this, is ever, this is all of us. We're, so we have natural families. I'm going to talk about that. We also are part of a spiritual family, and we have a responsibility in this house, in this home, to pass our faith on and to raise up faith in our next generation. So here's what happened to Moses, and it talks about his parents. Uh, his, dad's name was, his dad's name was Amram. His wife, mother's name was Jochebed, and they raised him. And here's what it says. By faith, notice who had the faith to begin with, his parents. So Moses got something from his dad, and I think especially from his mother, because she was in Pharaoh's house raising him as a nanny, speaking to him words of faith. But by faith, when he was yet a baby, he was hidden away for three months. I love this line, because they saw he was no ordinary child. I believe that every child is extraordinary. I believe every one of them. I, I, know they have, I know they have gifted classes because somebody says these are the gifts we're going to celebrate, but every child is gifted by God, and every child is extraordinary, and actually every child is gifted. Differently, and the world's economy says this is important, but God says all gifts are important. This was an extraordinary child. Did you know that when you were born, you were born an extraordinary child? Nudge your neighbor. See, he's talking about you. Go ahead, tell her. You, 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 you're extraordinary, man. You were born. Now, the world says, no, you aren't. But they saw it in him from his earliest days. He was an extraordinary child. And that's how we have to raise our kids up. Extraordinary. God has blessed sweet Darla Joy and I with four extraordinary children. They all are gifted and they all make mistakes. How about your kids? Kids ever do anything wrong? I heard a strong yes over here. I'm not, I'm not even looking where it came from. So, but we have to be careful as we raise them in the faith that when they mess up, we pick them up like our father does. When they mess up, we, we don't put them down. We pick them up. So we have one of our daughters, Charity. She's not here today, so I can talk about her. She's, she's an artist. She, like her room, she's just an artist from the beginning. Her room is full of art that she did, and not just on paper, but clay. Anything she could get her hands on it was an artistic project. And it couldn't be contained just inside the house. It, it spilt outside the house, and, and one day it spilt onto our driveway. Because there was a, a, what she thought was a beautiful canvas to express. The side of our van. So how could she express her artistic soul? She got a rock, and she carved into the paint of our car. I love my mom. She's not finished. I love my dad. She's not finished. Like all great artists, she signed her work. So there was no doubt. Charity. Okay, so, so just like my kids have met, your kids mess up. 
they're still extraordinary. And we got to keep building faith in them. So we want to correct the behavior. So we said, honey, this is not the proper place to express your artistic vision. And we have to discipline you. And I'm, I'm not going to take credit for this idea, but all parents need to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit so God can help you. Especially when you feel anger, when your kids mess up and you feel anger, let's, don't discipline in that moment. Pray. And, and God gave me an idea for discipline. I said, okay, we, you, we, we don't want you to do this anymore, so here's the discipline that you're going to have for carving your name into the side of our car. When we have, when we have dinner together, not this parenthetically, you're going to pass on the faith into your family, eat together. Say that again because it seems to be lowly supported. You can't, you can't, you've got to have conversation to pass on faith. You've got to communicate to pass on faith. And the dinner table, it's God's idea. Food is God's idea. So eat at the table. Um, uh, we, we had a, a, an, an oval table when it was a circle. We had the sacred circle and the sacred oval. Uh, turn your television off during dinner time. I'm not getting a lot of support on this, but I'm going to keep going. Put your cell phones down. Leave them alone. If the phone answers, don't, if the phone rings, don't answer it. Let it go because the people at that table need you during that sacred moment of mealtime. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm just, ah! So, so when we have our family meal time and we have scripture together and we pray together, which we did at our table, after that, while they're cleaning up the, the kitchen, the discipline will be that you um, scratch my back. Scratch dad's back. And as you scratch dad's back, you remind yourself, you say it out loud, we scratch backs, we don't scratch cars. <laughs> this was a God idea. Because I, I actually love having my back scratched. <laughs> and we had it for weeks and months of discipline to just really remind that. It's a reminder. And you know what happened this last year? She's a teacher, and she was teaching the fourth grade. And uh, an, a, an opportunity opened up inside her school, which is Brentwood, uh, to become uh, the art director for the school. She didn't take her education in art, but she tested out in art to become the art teacher for the school. So she is in her element this next year. We're very proud of that. Very good for her, yeah. You know, you know why? Because you know she's extraordinary. And your kid is extraordinary. I'm going to say that again. And your kid is extraordinary. And your grandkids are extraordinary. And the kids of this church are extraordinary. And the kids of this community are extraordinary. That's how you pass on faith. They saw something. They were good parents. And some of you weren't raised in good homes. And you're going, man, I wish my dad would let me scratch his back instead of what he did to me. I know there's people here. So I just want to remind you that God reveals himself as a heavenly father for a reason. Because when your natural family was a mess, he brings you into his spiritual family. And he will be a father to the fatherless. And he will bring you into his home. And he will teach you as a child of God the very things that you missed when you were a child. And he has an accelerated learning program. I'm just telling there's hope. Faith begins at home. Okay, that's the first thing I'm talking about. The second thing is this. Leaders march to a different drum. 
There is the drumbeat of culture. There is a drumbeat of the world. There is a drumbeat that constantly says, this is how the world is. This is how the world is. Everybody marches and sing. Everybody wants to be different just like everybody else. You hear what I said? <laughs> everybody wants to be different. So, so cult, like this becomes fashionable, and then that becomes fashionable. And then, so there's a drumbeat. But watch what Moses did as he raised by faith. By faith, Moses, as he grew up, refused to be part of Pharaoh's culture, refused to be known even as a family member of Pharaoh's house because he was part of the family of God, and he made a choice. So just to emphasize this, I just need um, maybe uh, three or four guys that can just come on stage and help me, and I will take three or four volunteers. I will not do anything really weird, I promise you. No magic tricks today, just three or four guys. I see this, the volunteerism in this church is amazing. Just the volunteers that just come on stage. Thank you, 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 thank you. That's three. Well, you, come on, where's the generosity of this church? I said three or four. I said three or four. Yeah, come right on. Yeah, and come on. I said, yeah, come on, come on. I'm not turning you in. No, 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 no. You're already in the aisle, brother. Come on down. Yeah, come on. Okay. Okay, so guys, you're going to do like a little huddle here. Just it's right in front of me right here, a little huddle, like a little circle, a little huddle, a little huddle, huddle up. You know what that is, okay? Come on, all in. We got everybody? Oh, man, man, the altars are just growing. I see that. I see. One more has come down. Are there any more? Okay, here it is. So we're, we're in a, we're in a, uh, a culture now, we're, we're, and it's good. It's good to have friendship, good to have buddies, good to hang out. But if you're going to lead... If you're going to lead, you've got to step back and step out. I wish you stay there and say, okay, this was Pharaoh's culture. To influence culture, you've got to step away from culture. To in, so it's good to be, your, it's good to be uh, buddies with your children. That's fine. That's good to be friends. Let me back in, guys. I'm still a part of the group. <laughs> it's good to be friends with your children. That's good. Talk to them, friends. Fr but remember... You are the parent. You are the CEO. There are times, Dad, that you step away so you can say, I'm living higher. I'm living beyond what you, I'm living here. you got to follow me, son. you got to follow me, daughter. So what, what, what Moses did was, he was part of Pharaoh. This was the coolest culture. To, he was in Pharaoh's house. This was the house to be part of. But he made a choice. I've got to influence things because this, this is the very culture that's keeping God's people in slavery. Amen. And I'm not going to stay in this culture because I've got to change this culture. And in order to change this culture, I have to step away from this culture. And that's the same thing for you. The culture of this world is keeping people bound up spiritually. And to influence the culture, you've got to step away from the culture to lead the culture. Right? Got it? Give these guys a big hand. I appreciate you guys coming up. So, so that means we've got to be careful what we listen to and what we, we in, become enculturated with. It means that importance, and I, I minister, teach on it all the time, the importance of daily Bible reading and prayer and meditation. Why? Because it's in those moments we hear the drumbeat of a different drummer that doesn't beat the same way that culture in media, television, internet, it's different, and you, you step aside from it. And leaders have to do that. 
leaders march to a di- they listen and they hear a different drumbeat. And they say, that's the drumbeat I'm marching to. The third thing is this. Lead your, leaders see the big picture. They don't, they don't make quick decisions on small issues. They back up and they see the big picture of life. Here's what happens in Moses' life. Watch this. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Watch this. Rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. How many know that sins have fleeting pleasures? Right? Don't put your hand up, but um, anybody get drunk? Okay. Um, anybody know somebody that has got drunk? You can put your hand up for this one. Four, five, six. We got, okay, I'm changing my topic to honesty. Okay, well, let me try this one then. Has anybody seen somebody on television get drunk? <laughs> then there's the hangover, right? It's fleeting pleasure. It doesn't last. So Moses chose, he chose to be mistreated rather than, than sell out for the short-term pleasure. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater than the value of the treasures. He was offered all of the material treasures of Egypt, but he knew there was a greater treasure waiting for him. He passed by the materialism of this world because he was looking ahead for his reward. He chose to see the big picture. Here we need to learn that there is a spiritual um, correlation to a, a law of physics, and the law of physics is this, that for every action there is a reaction. And spiritually that's true, true. I don't know the number of times that I can, I can tell you the stories that one night of drunkenness has created a chain of events that has been devastating. For every action, there is a, a correlation. And so he said, I'm not going to settle for the short-term pleasure. I'm going to back up. I'm going to see the big picture. Paul says it like this when he ministers to us in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See the big picture. Look at things differently. That's what a leader does. A leader doesn't make a quick decision, a snap decision. Okay, my daughter carved her name into the side of my car. What's the, what's the big objective? The big objective is that we want her to be a dynamic woman of God. That's what the big objective is. So we can't, we can't be derailed with a small temporary anger issue when the big issue, the big picture is that we want her to grow into a dynamic woman of God, which she has. That's it. So keep that in mind. Keep the big picture. Leaders prepare people for change. And Moses did that. And let me tell you that for those of you that love everything always to be peaceful, Get this, you cannot have peace without conflict and change at the same time. Because when you change something, you are a disruptor. Leaders are disruptors. They disrupt the status quo. Well, let's look at what Moses did. Moses disrupted a whole Egyptian society. It was never, after Moses, it was never the same. First of all, God's people, the whole workforce of Egypt, or a large portion of it, marched out the door because he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. They're not staying here anymore. 
He instituted the Passover to celebrate what? To celebrate the greatest change that they had had in 400 years. For 400 years, they had been slaves, and God said, no more. So he said, okay, what I want you to do is, by faith, gather people together for the Passover. At the Passover, there's going to be the sacrifice and the, and the, and the eating of an animal, a lamb. You're going to take the blood of that lamb. You're going to put it, if you get this, and maybe you know it already, but they put the, the blood of the lamb on the door in the, in the form of a cross. That's the cross. They didn't even know they were doing that then. That's how God just put stuff together. He's cool like that. And then he said, I want you to pack your bags. Why? Because we are changing locations. Get your staff in your hands because we are changing locations. Now, there is a status quo in anybody you lead that when times get tough, they want to return to the good old days. Even the people of God, they got out of Egypt, they went through the Red Sea, food is falling out of heaven, the first little bump in the road, they go, oh, Egypt was so nice. That's the status quo. Leaders are disruptors. Leaders say, we can't stay where we are. Let me just tell you, let me dismiss the fallacy. There aren't any good old days. There's good new days and there's good future days. Today's a good day. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. I thank God for yesterday. It may have had some goodness, but I'm moving forward to the promised land. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm sure not staying where I'm at. Thank God for everything he's done in this church. Thank God for it all, but that's not where we are. We're now moving forward. We had 20 years ago, we found this property. We got 20 more years to win souls for Christ, to testify about Christ, and the days in the future are greater than the days in the past. And beware. Oh, I'm going to get on my knees. Beware of fantasizing about the good old days. And I'm, I'm disrupting some people by just talking this way. But that's because I'm a leader. Right? That's what a leader does. Okay? Thank God. But we're moving to Florida. A little disruption. But it's moving. You have there's some disruption. So he led his way forward. And then, let me wrap up with this. Leadership looks beyond. Leadership sees things differently. Moses had an encounter with God, and I believe subsequent encounters with God after that burning bush experience that caused him to see things other people couldn't see. I believe when he stood at the edge of the Red Sea, he knew that God would make a way that nobody else could see. He lifted his staff, and what did he say? Stand still and see the salvation of God. Where there was no way he could see a way, and the, the sea opened up, and he walked through on dry ground because he saw beyond where he was. Remember the first scripture we looked at? That he kept his eyes on the... He saw, he saw things that nobody else saw. That's what leadership does. And this is what transcends that voice of the enemy that says, you are not a great man. You are not a great woman. It's to get your eyes off of yourself 
and put your eyes on the one who's in the realm. God is already in tomorrow. He's already working on your behalf. And as you see that unfolding, it shifts your confidence from self-confidence to God-confidence. And God-confidence will see you through. And there have been times, I think in all of our lives, just it happened to Moses, so I'm sure you have a story to tell, where you just felt overwhelmed and felt, I'm, I'm not big enough for the journey. I, I remember when our, first, when our first child was born, Amanda, and I took her in my arms, and I, I walked down the hall. Darla was resting. And I walked down to a room at the end of the hall and sat in a rocking chair. And all of a sudden, incredible a voice of inadequacy came that you are not you you don't know what you're doing here I was overwhelmed with the fact that I was holding a little piece of eternity in my arms and I, I felt so inadequate to the job I didn't know like how uh, how are the days going to unfold and I felt the voice of condemnation that says you're 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 not going to make it and I remember closing my eyes. That's often why we close our eyes when we pray. So we, we can see into the invisible. That's why when we, when we pray, we close our eyes so we can see and know, hey, you can't see him? God is in the house. I remember closing my eyes and said, oh God, oh God, oh God, I need your help. And as quickly as I prayed that prayer, the Spirit of God overwhelmed me and said, you don't know? what the days ahead of you hold, but I'm gonna walk with you every step of the way. And my confidence shifted from self-doubt to God-confidence. When God asked me to be a minister, I said, please God, please God, please, please somebody else. I, I examined other things to do. I, I would have been a great lawyer or, or anything. <laughs> I had a few things I was looking at. Because I, I know more than you, and I, I constantly have this feel, oh, somebody could do this better than me. Somebody else, like, God, you know my issues. There's somebody else that's better. And I remember that voice of, you're not good enough and it's not going to work out that would roll through and I had an encounter with God my, my dad and my mother took me to the Holy Land and I was walking by the Sea of Galilee and I had an encounter with Jesus again where I heard his, I, my confidence shifted in my life shifted from self-doubt to God confidence that I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough I'm not smart enough I've got, I t certainly know that but I close my eyes. And when it becomes overwhelming, I close my eyes. And I connect with him who is invisible. And my doubt and fear diminishes so that my confidence in God can increase. And that increases in all of our lives the influence of our life. So as we're looking at this next season, this week, this month, this next few months, who in your life is God calling you to influence? And when you say, but I'm not, I'm not great enough, that could be true. Probably is. Close your eyes. Because the one who is invisible is great enough 
to take you, to increase your influence, to increase the light that shines out of your life, and the world will never be the same because influencers, leaders are walking the earth, influencing not in their strength, but in his strength to the glory of God. Hallelujah. 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 So with that in mind, if we could uh, stand for prayer, please. Our prayer team is going to come and stand with me here at the altar and just prepare to minister to you and with you in prayer. But as we close our eyes, we open our hearts wide, and we know that the one who is invisible is in the house, the same one, the same one. The great I am that heard Moses in the wilderness saying, I'm not great enough. He says, yeah, you may not be great enough, but I am what I am. And he's here today saying, I am all that you need. I am what I am. And Lord, we invite your presence, the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, not my voice, but your voice. You speak to these precious women of God. You preach to these, you speak to these precious men of God. You encourage them, Lord, as they shift their thinking from self-doubt to God confidence. We invite the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do that. And we open our hearts. I give this invitation for every person here to open their heart to the person and the power of Jesus Christ. We do that in prayer. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And salvation, the miraculous gift of God, takes place. So we're going to pray a prayer all across this room. We're all going to pray it together out loud because God loves to hear your voice, good strong voice. Let's pray this as a community prayer out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I turn away from my sins and I turn towards you to receive your forgiveness, your grace, your love, your mercy. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let the, yes, amen. Let the church say amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Out. So our prayer team is here because we believe in the power. These are the most important moments of our gathering. We worship, that's important. We teach, that's important. But the miraculous is released in the moment of prayer when two or three people get together and pray. And that's why our team is here to pray. And if you're making a commitment or recommitment of your life to Jesus Christ, it's essential you pray with someone. If you've got some questions and we can help you in your relationship with God, maybe it's too intimidating right at this point to walk forward. We can start a conversation and send you some material by text. You text us here, 941-260-1321. We'll send stuff to you and help you. We just want to help you become all that God wants for you to become. So in the next few moments, we're going to be praying with people for not only whatever the issues are, whatever miraculous thing, whatever strength your family needs, we're here to pray with you. While people are receiving prayer, we remind you that the Passover was the night of change. And Jesus took the Passover and converted it into Holy Communion. And so as there's a communion station on the left-hand side and the right-hand side, this would be a beautiful day for you to receive the bread representing the Lamb of God and the cup representing that blood that covers us and receiving it and saying, Lord, I'm ready for the next step in my journey. I'm ready. I'm not staying where I am. I'm not hanging on to the good old. I'm pursuing the good new. I'm taking communion, celebrating what you are about to do in my life. And you'd be welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church to have communion or prayer. You're welcome as a friend of Jesus. 
If you've been a guest here today, and I've met many guests this weekend, thanks so much for coming and being with us. Please come. We'd like to help you as much as we can in our faith community here. If you're a guest or new here and you've never stopped by our VIP room, please do that before you go back on the left-hand side. We'd like to greet you. We'd like to gift you. We'd like to just know you. So I'm going to pray a blessing. And after this blessing, there's no other benediction. The worship team will start to worship. People will come forward for prayer. Some will go with the grace of God. But we pray in this moment. We close our eyes and I pray. I pray that all the Lord has been trying to say to you would be heard. Not what Scott was trying to say or Ashton as she prophesied or Holly as she prophesied. But I, what, what God is, I want him to hear your voice, the voice of God, your voice, God, because it's transformational. Keep your eyes closed in prayer. I just got an overwhelming sense of the potential in this room. It just, um, it just hit me. Imagine if every person was delivered from self-doubt and fear and you influenced and led at the level God wanted you to. It was, it was a moment of miraculous, just wow. Blew my, just blew my mind. So Lord, just raise up your leaders, raise up your influence, raise up those who are called to be salt and God to be light. We pursue into the realm of the invisible. We let go of self-doubt and self-fear, and we pursue you, God, in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of our Lord and Savior, the Lion of the tribe of Judah that cannot be defeated, whose strength is never diminished, and is here today. We bless you in Jesus' name, and all of God's people say together, Amen. Just let's give the Lord an ovation of praise. Good job, bless you. We love you. Come, come forward for prayer and come forward for communion. And may the grace of God be with you.